Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host. Welcome to the Business Mentor Podcast. I've got a very special guest today, Mark Homer. Um, and Mark Homer, if you've not been following him, he's got the best-selling book on Amazon. He's co-founder of Progressive Properties and Unlimited Success, co-own 700 properties. Um, Rob gives a lot of credit to Mark for building this £19 million training business and win the studios today. So welcome, Mark. Hi, and um, thanks for inviting me, Jay. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm honoured to be on your podcast. Yeah, it's great to have you aboard. And I know you don't do many interviews because you're very busy, um, so it's, it's great to have you on board because I've tried to get you a few times, but I know our diaries haven't really matched, but to get you on is a great thing. So look, just for my listeners, what, what I tend to do is talk about what you're doing now, then we go back a little bit, and then we'll come back around. So tell... Tell us what you're doing at the moment and uh, on, on, on a business level. Okay, so um, I've got three projects on the go at the moment. Um, I am dealing with those, uh, you know, reasonable sort of portion of my day. Um, our sort of bigger project um, is um, just just under 100 flats. Um, uh, this morning, I was dealing with the acoustician, uh, who's the, the noise specialist, Um about sort of what windows and what mechanical ventilation we're needing to put into those because the council made us upgrade, um, you know, a lot of the elevations and, yeah. uh, and, and you know, noise suppression equipment and M&E in the building. So I've uh, been dealing with that. And, um, yeah, I'm, I, I've got another project. We've got, we've got a commercial tenant going in on the ground floor and I'm putting loads of residential above and I'm just juggling them and the engineers and the planners and various other things. So that's sort of property stuff, uh, as well as dealing with sort of licensing uh, and reconfiguring existing properties because of HMO licensing and you know the, the, the change that lord last October. So it caught a lot of ours because a lot of ours were two story, yeah. um, but now they're all licensable. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. It, other than that, it, obviously we've got a, a training business. And a letting agency, and I'm often involved in the, the, the finance or the, you know, the, the sort of back end stuff or issues or legal stuff or we, you know, whatever it is, uh, sort of surrounding those businesses. So, um, yeah, loads, loads going on. Yeah, so a lot, so the mechanics behind the business. Yeah, 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 and a baby coming in four weeks. Oh no! Yeah. Congratulations! <laughs> I saw you on the, on the post. A couple of weeks then. Four weeks. Four, four weeks, weeks left. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you got it first time. First time. Wow. I just had just had my wife on the phone just before I started. <laughs> she's got more pain and yeah. she's, she's getting bigger and bigger. And, yeah, yeah. You know, she'll so often she'll be on the couch. She's like, I can't get up, so I have to pull her yeah. up. Because this thing is just, I mean, it, she's doubled in size. And yeah. it, it's like on her front and it's making her really unstable. Um, I never really appreciated how big they are. and yeah. And... Yeah, and obviously she's got a stretch with it, 
uh, and then we sort of lie on the couch at night and we just watch all these somersaults going on on her front. Uh, yeah, it's it's an really interesting random. Yeah, I've, I've got two children. I can remember my wife on the first one and they can't lie on a specific way because no. they, you obviously can't lie on your front. Yeah. And it's awkward. And I don't know about you, if I've got a bit of pain in my back, I'll stop moaning about yeah. it. Um, they go through a lot, you know. Yeah, I'm quite, realising this now. And yeah. uh, when the baby comes, that's going to be a whole new thing. But look, <laughs> um, I've seen enough people. It um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna well, uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. and one thing that's good is you've systemized your business. Uh, I can I was telling a story in my talk yesterday when my first daughter she took a, a, quite a long time in labour and we got a phone call from our ops manager. We were taking on Kerry Foods, which is a big man, uh, food production company in Burton, and uh, I had to take the call because my business wasn't operating. And when I sold the business, one of the key things for me was to spend more time with the children. Uh, now I'll do the school run in the morning, which I tell you one thing, that's one of the hardest things to do. What, getting them out the door? Getting them out the door. My mm. wife goes, she's a contractor, she works for a big firm. Yeah. Um, I said, I'll do it, I'll commit to this when I sell the business, I'll yeah. do it. Oh God, it's getting them, getting, I've got two of them now, getting them in the car. What, just, just getting their shoes on and, and getting actually getting shoes getting them. on. Like, even today, uh, we left the bag at home, so I had to go back, get yeah. the bag, drop it back off. What they're doing, just sitting there with grins on their faces. <laughs> yeah. there, and like, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a whole different challenge. Like my yeah. eight-year-old um, daughter, now she kind of gets inspired by me. She, yeah. she loves podcasting, she loves business, yeah. she loves everything. She's a performer. And the problem is, is I'm trying to say, look, you've got to do your homework. Like, Daddy, yeah. can we do some of the podcast today? Can we yeah. can we do something? Can I, oh, and design a flyer for your business yeah. and, and also the challenges online now yeah um, because obviously she can't just go on youtube and just search things yeah because there's things adverts and stuff you got to yeah. monitor that so it's a whole yeah. different challenge yeah for my parents who just leave me outside to play football all day yeah the world has changed quite a bit yeah uh, we could talk all day about father stuff we'll yeah, do the yeah, podcast yeah. maybe when the baby's here yeah. and talk about it so you're doing a lot of things project wise so for my listeners i want to understand what what Mark's about. So growing up, um, tell us a bit about your childhood and, um, you know, just just talk, take us back a little bit. Yeah, so um, I was born in Singapore. We were living in the Far East um, in, in Indonesia, uh, just out of, well, Surabaya, which is not the capital. Came back to England for a little bit and then carried on in Indonesia, went to the British International School in Jakarta, okay. which is uh, an in- sort of international school for, for, for English um, for, for English students um, and then carried on there till I was 12 and you know it was a very different sort of upbringing um, you know we you know Jakarta is a, a crazy crazy place certainly out on the roads um, you know it probably looks in some ways a bit like Delhi um, you yeah. know there's there's badge eyes everywhere there's pollution yeah. everywhere there's <laughs> people everywhere yeah. um, you know and and um, you know, you 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 sort of. I learned I learned Bahasa Indonesia. I um, I learned the sort of local dialect. Um, we had uh, sort of made and you know, um, kind of various sort of people in the house it used to call them servants. But um, yeah. you know, I think that's frowned upon now. I'm not sure what you call them now. But um, anyway, the, the those guys who used to help us. Um, and I, a lot of the time when I was younger, um, especially when my parents weren't there, I used to live outside with them. Um, and, and sort of, um, they'd all sort of huddle around this little, um, I don't know, like a little, uh, sort of a basic sort of cooking, um, like a gas burner. Right. Uh, yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. they cook their fish yeah. and their nasi, which is rice and all that sort of stuff. And, I, I, I grew up learning how to speak Jawa, which is their sort of local di- dialect, which my parents didn't understand, <laughs> um, which was quite amusing. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that was sort of. 
early doors. And that, that was quite, um, you know, I didn't really realise it at the time, but it was, that was very useful for dealing with different types of people because yeah, definitely. clearly, you know, that part of the world is completely different. Um, we also lived uh, in uh, Sri Lanka, in Colombo, um, for, for, for a while. Um, same thing, I, you know, ended up speaking um, some of their language, although I can't remember any of that, yeah. uh, and sort of growing up there. And then, obviously, I did the national curriculum mm-hmm. in school because um, I went to the British school, and then I ended up coming back at 12 um, and went to boarding school in near, near our office. That's why I ended up in Peterborough. Right, okay. I, I went to a boarding school nearby called Oakham, uh, and I, I, I sort of boarded through there until my A-levels, yeah. Um, which, which you know, was completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always loved sort of, you know, making money in business and all that sort of stuff. But when I got to Oakham, um, there were a lot of um, lads there whose dads had proper businesses yeah. and they were making millions and millions. Yeah. Um, so, you know, on a Saturday morning, I don't know, um, Charles's father would turn up in a helicopter and pick him <laughs> up. And of course, me at 12 years old, I'd just be like, what the hell is that? that yeah, that's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I'd I'd have other friends. Another one with a a big manufacturing business. Um, another one with a, a sort of you know a, a business which designs products and and puts them into um, a lot of the big retailers. Um, and you know, I through those years, vicariously through some of their fathers, I ended up learning more and more about business and realizing that's what I wanted to do. Um, and watching them sort of buy properties. And I remember there was one father in particular, he got his son at 18 to buy the most knackered, awful property. Yeah. Um, helped him sort of renovate it. And then basically told him, well, to pay the mortgage, you're going to rent four of the rooms out. Yeah. And you manage the tenants and then you get to keep the difference. And he did that and he, he learned a hell of a lot. And what really flicked a switch in my head, although I obviously I didn't realise how unsustainable it was at the time, he he bought the house for like ninety five grand, and within two and a half years, the thing was worth one seventy. Yeah, and of course he he managed to get some of the money out, and he was just spanking it on these cars, yeah. and we were like eighteen, nineteen, and yeah, yeah, some you know pretty cool stuff. So it really flicked a switch in my head for for property, and then as time went on, um, I just started trying to learn more and more about it, and I, I went into a graduate training scheme with a, a fresh meat company, and I realised wasn't really for me so in mm-hmm. my spare time yeah i was researching how to buy in eastern europe and in florida and you know in various different parts of the world and end up sort of buying some stuff i shouldn't uh in in bulgaria and and in florida yeah. and, and that got me started yeah. so when you were at school college yeah. um so that's interesting because that was a private school right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so my daughters and i go to a private school yeah. and i get challenged because obviously we the way we grew up was my parents came from India. Obviously, yeah. we didn't have anything and went to a state school and the challenges and all that. So I'm trying to put my daughters into a different area. Now, yeah. I don't think the education, I think the education is good, yeah. but I think the network yeah. is everything. That's worth more. Yeah. 100%. And what, and, and and also the, the, the ideas and the sort of outlook that those being surrounded by those people and those teachers... What what that does for your children, um, you know. I I ended up for a year going to a sort of the the local college. Um, yeah. You know, be, yeah, I I hadn't done particularly well in my GCSEs, uh, and it was just unbelievable the difference yeah. mm-hmm. uh, be, be, between not not necessarily academically, but 
just the way in which they thought, you know, the, the students compared to, you know, the ones that I'd, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd made very good friends with at, 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 you know, boarding school. And then I ended up, you know, going to a sort of local ex-grammar school around Peterborough. And they were, they were pretty good. Um, there were some, some great guys there, but they were so different. Yeah. They were, you know, they, they were all going to be, well, 80% of them were clearly going to be and, and are now. Yeah. Solicitors, yeah. accountants, um, you know, doctors, dentists—they're all sort of vocational. Yeah, um, it's so different from the, the the you know the the public school, the, the boarding school that I went to, the, the you know the, the full-on private school, where academically you know they were sort of okay, but they all just end up going into business and making a lot of money. Yeah, um, they're probably a bit naughtier actually, and, and probably less well-behaved, but. Um, yeah, I um, did, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if there's a right or a wrong necessarily, but they're two very different types of people. Yeah, yeah definitely, and and I learned, you know, the hustling way. Yeah, uh, but with my daughters, I want them to learn the education. And obviously, yeah. having a mentor who helped me build my business to a multi-million turnover was, I read as a power in education. Yeah, because you and I, Mark, there's nothing different. So obviously, we've got, we've been educated in what routes we've been into, yeah. life skills, our mentors. We are a reflection of what we've been taught. So if you get the right education, whichever way you get it, it's going to help you, surely. Um, and there's people making money with, with no, starting with no money at all. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is with the children, touching on that as you're a new parent, is my daughter's eight now and you'll start looking patterns and I was quite disruptive. I was really not so good in class, but that was a bit entrepreneurial in me because I wanted to do something more exciting. I could see that in my daughter. And you start seeing patterns emerging. But yeah, there's no right and wrong. And there's people that make it very successful through whatever background. I've proven that. But if you've got an opportunity and you've got a chance that you can invest in your children, you know, I've done it. And obviously people make their own decisions, but it's a wise choice because your network is your net worth at the end of the day. Hmm. Um I don't know what you think about that. Well, I think it's great to have both. So um, obviously the academics are very useful. And, you know, yes, if, you know, I, if, if, if my child, you know, is able and wants to go along, along to university, I'll encourage it. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, I'm going to encourage them to get the best grades. Um, but the best grades and going to university at the expense of, not having great life skills and not having sort of business now and common sense and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I you know, I really am not interested in that. Yeah. And and I, I see the sort of products of some of these very, very intensive schools um, and, you know, that, that, that don't sort of teach the other stuff as well. Um, and, and that's not really, you know, what, what I want. I, I think if you can make the two things be, you know, good academically but then be, um, you know, have a load of sort of real world experience in businesses, you know, get them started early, get them on, you know, site, you know, if, if, if I'm doing a project, yep. get them into the business, get them working in, you know, different departments in the business, really understanding the realities rather than what a textbook says. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I just see so much value in all that and to get it done early, you know, so that, so that when they're in their sort of early 20s, they're already starting, you know, a business because... Yeah. God, by the time they're 40, they, they should have done all right. And they, right. they're going to have all the choices, yeah. you know, as to, as to how they want to carry on, whether they want to carry on growing business or semi-retire and do something else or, 
Yeah. I don't know, go rock climbing, whatever. <laughs> Long them, but it? you're right. If, if you've got the knowledge, it's also how to use the knowledge and that street skills and negotiating, you know, you've negotiated many property deals and that's a skill that you've learned to try and, you know, deal and get the best deal for you. Um, and that, you can't learn a textbook, you know, you go out and do that. You really can't. Yeah, and that's what we're going around. You know, we're talking about the mindset here of obviously early on of how, you know, um, I'm, in, you know, putting my children through the education system, which will then hopefully pay dividend. No one knows the outcome. Um, all you can do is back it which way you think is going to work out, you know. Hopefully be a good investment. It may not be, but um, you've got to just go with your heart and obviously where you think it will take. So we've talked about education. So... You came to university. So your first property deal. So you mentioned your friend did that. You saw something, what he was doing. Is that when excited, property started exciting you? And, you know, and how did you start building that? It probably was, Jay. I think, I think that was the time. And, you know, bear in mind, we're talking 1997, 98. So, yeah. you know, the, the market was, you know, it was, it was ripe. You know, I remember the, 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 the last recession, um, you know, market, the market started really growing probably, I don't know, 94, 95, yeah. you know, 97, 98, things were going gangbusters. Yeah. Um, and it was like the gold rush. Uh, and of course I was young. So yeah, I'm, you know, my dad at the time was probably like, well, it won't last forever. And, you yeah. know, all the wheels will come falling off. And yeah, you know, yeah. they've still got a mortgage to pay. There's a big <laughs> noose around your neck. You know, was, I yeah. used to get a lot of that from him. But equally, yeah. um, you know, he'd, you know, I'd probably do him a disservice. He, he'd, He'd spent 30 years working in Africa and Asia and all these places and he'd, he'd met a lot of business people mm. and whilst he wasn't one of them um, because, you know, he was essentially an engineer and worked for foreign governments putting, putting all this infrastructure in, he knew that was a good route to go and I think he, he used to encourage me, um, you know, when I'd sort of be friends with all, all these, these different guys. Um, so, you know, with the property stuff, he'd sort of semi-encourage me to go, oh, be careful with the mortgages, but, you know, good thing, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I got very excited about that because, you know, my pal that was you know, buying this stuff, I mean, he's, you know, he just started out and in my head, he'd made 60 grand in about three yeah. and a half minutes. Wow. Um, you know, and he'd not got to pay any capital gains tax. Um, he'd gone and put a big extension on the side of the building right. without planning permission, um, which, you know, I... I thought at the time, oh, we'll get into loads of trouble for <laughs> yeah. that. And, you know, and I think my mum said to me, oh, it'll all go wrong, whatever. And <laughs> no, he just put it on, uh, brazen as hell. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a good job. Smiled at the neighbour. Yeah. Um, didn't fall out with them somehow. Uh, <laughs> and then just sold the house, I don't know, two years later. No one asked anything. Because as usual, you know, surveyor goes round, but he doesn't know what the, the plan says. Yeah. Or, or what planning consents are on necessarily. Um, and uh, and that was it. It just went through. Now I'm not suggesting anyone should crack on and do that. Um, but what I'm saying is, um, his dad will have encouraged him to just crack on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, if you can be some way towards that, um, you know, when you have these sort of ob obstacles, just sort of blast through and crack mm. on. Yeah. Um, you know, and take calculated risks. I'm not sure that is a calculated risk because you know if the gone really smelling the planning authority had really seen their arse and you know Could served an down, enforcement yeah. notice yeah he might have had to knock it down but um, that wasn't really what made him the real money the real money was made because the market was going up so much yeah, um, the, yeah the, 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 the capital growth was huge at that time so that excited me. I got yeah. really, really excited and wondered how I could do the same thing. But of course, usual thing, I didn't have enough money, yeah. uh, didn't have any deposits. Um, I started, at some point after that, I found 
um, a chap called Palm Deep Vedasha. Okay. Um, he had um, one of these e-books. It was called, I think, Property System. And I just got right. really, really excited by that. Um, and there was a guy, sort of early 2000, an Australian guy called Warren Bourget, who, who's now not alive, actually, um, who did a DVD set on how to buy, remortgage and refurbish. Sorry, buy, refurbish and remortgage, uh, which wasn't quite like what we do here because he was Australian and he was all about a no-docs mortgage, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, so, so it wasn't quite, but some of the elements were there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I used to take it home, show it my stepdad and he'd look at it and say, oh, what's Borges Boulevard saying now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Where did you get that uh, CD from? Because obviously yeah. that, that time... I can't. It wasn't I must really have, going. I must have I mean? bought it. Because um, hard to get early education. Yeah, it education. was. Yeah, yeah. I must have bought it. And then actually, yeah. what did it was I met a local letting agent right. who had been reading and watching all this stuff, and he had worked out what properties to buy in Peterborough right. and do this on. Yeah. So he showed me what he bought, and he goes, "Look, you can go and do this, and then I'll manage it afterwards if you want me to." So that's what we did. Um, so I went and sort of bought them, refurbished. And remortgaged them, added value, and realised that it was a hundred million times better than what I was doing in Bulgaria, Florida, yeah. you know, Bratislava, and all. Why these. did you go to that foreign market? Because, because I, 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 I'd be reading all the broadsheets. I'd be at that time. I'd be, you know, I'd be reading. I don't know, P, Peter Parfait's hot property alert and all this lot. Yeah, and I just got the feeling that it all started to click into place. I thought, right, all these. Eastern European countries yeah. are coming into the EU. Yeah. They're about to join. Yeah. Um, their markets are, you know, really compared to Western Europe, immature. Um, you know, the, the GDP is very low. The middle class is going to go through a massive expansion, mm -hmm. you know, and, and wages are going to rise and, and property values have to follow as the standards improve. Yeah. Uh, and I just really bought into that story. Um, of course, I didn't understand all the other... A trillion other things that need to fall into place, yeah. uh, including paying the right amount for your property and not not buying a one bed yeah. uh, next to the ski lift for I don't know forty five grand or whatever when the locals would buy it straight afterwards for twenty. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> you, don't but know. you don't you don't get that because yeah. you're just taking information from the developer right. or or a sort of very biased source. Um, but but as you go on in business, you you understand these things. Um, so, yeah, I was doing that and sort of Florida had grown a lot, gone up a lot. Um, so I suppose I thought that was going to continue. But the, the reality is I got in there far too late anyway. And the rental yields didn't work. And you know, the grass is always greener, isn't it? Is it because it looked attractive? Because obviously going abroad, yeah, it just it's attractive, isn't, that, it? isn't it? I'm an international yeah, property yeah. Uh, investor. And, um, you know, still people hear people sort of say that today and get excited by it. But it's... Usually the road to one, nowhere. One of my mentors yeah. who's very successful has got a jet, he's got a lot of property in the Isle of Man yeah. and in the UK. And he said to me, because that's the first thing you do, I want a property abroad. Like you say, it sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He said, what happens is when you buy a property abroad, you'll go there twice in the first year. Yeah. <laughs> once yeah. in the next year. Yeah. Then you'll never go back. And yeah, all you do true. is chuck your money to maintain it. So And, and the yields won't, it, it will be very low yielding. So yeah. if you get a, you know, a, I don't know, a 70% mortgage or whatever, you're probably going to be putting money into it every year. Yeah. The maintenance will be very high. And the reality is in most of these locations, there's very few holiday locations where the occupancy is year round. So you, you, you end up 
spending such a lot on it and 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 it's all the paperwork and dealing with especially in Bulgaria you have to see a solicitor here every time in fact a notary public which is a special type of solicitor yeah. to get anything done um and um I'd see one 12 times here just to open bank accounts and sign bits of paper and all the rest of it so it's very very inefficient and you know everything you learn here about the law and the way the finance works and the banks and the solicitors and <laughs> not to listen to estate agents all that stuff goes out of the window when yeah. you go into another market because the rules are all different and the legal systems are different and the banks are different so you got to learn it all again yeah. and it's a complete waste of time yeah um and um yeah i um and uh, apart from the fact that a lot of these markets i mean Bulgaria, um, it's cheap for a reason. Yeah. Um, you know, m a lot of the solicitors are criminals. Um, they will just steal your money. Um, the, I, I presume there's some sort of regulation, but the, the realise I, sorry, the reason I had to go to so many notary publics here is because the government clearly don't trust the legal profession in, yeah. in, in their own country, um, which is bizarre because here, if a solicitor tells you something, usually they're telling you the truth because yeah. they're going, there's going to be serious consequences for them if, if they're not. Um, so it's just, just learning all that is, is, um, will, 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 you know, takes a long time. Well, the systems work here because yeah. it's like in India, like we've got like 27 football fields of land, but in theory to sell that, it's very difficult. Yeah. And what a lot of people did when they came from India, the white, well, I won't say not white because my dad was investing there, but yeah. a lot of them invest in the UK yeah. and they were chucking, like these commercial buildings or location petrol stations and giving away free at the time just to, um, this is going back 20, 30 years. But where the people invested here, they've done so well. Yeah. Where the ones invest in India, which looked very attractive because yeah. you're buying all this stuff, it's so difficult to sell it. Yeah. And especially as second generation, to go over there, they're like, they think of, we don't know anything. And uh, yeah. it's always attractive to go abroad. But the, the system works here. You know, investing yeah, in the UK works. Yeah, it does work. And, you know, we can moan all we like about, you know, Section 24 or stamp duty going up or Jeremy Corbyn on the horizon or rent yeah. control or yeah. all these extra rights that tenants are getting or the fact we have to inspect a lot more and do right to rent checks and, you know, licensing and all this sort of stuff. But the reality is that creates a market that generally protects more individuals on mm -hmm. both sides um, you know, and, and, and generally works, it's more efficient. Um, and you do end up making more money in markets like that. Uh, yeah. That's what I believe now. Yeah. Um, you know, market markets like, um, you know, like that, you know, in, in India can work for people on the ground who really know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, especially if you're sort of aligned with the government, yeah. uh, maybe they're part of your developments and your <laughs> schemes then, yeah. then maybe you can make, um, disproportionately large profits. Um, but i tell you a little story. Uh, you know, I was in a taxi yesterday. Um, I, had a, I had a flat tyre on uh, a Lamborghini and um, it was pretty pretty bad, actually. I, I, the tyre almost ended up coming off the wheel. Oh, and it, it took three hours to get it off the low loader and try and get the tyre. I mean, it was just a nightmare. Yeah. Anyway, so I got a taxi to go and pick the car up. And um, I just sat sat in the taxi and the taxi driver started talking to me and he's, he's Iranian oh. and he's, he's moved over here for I don't know, various reasons. And he said one of his mates lives in Iran still and he um, has the franchise and, and basically all the total oil and petrol that goes into Iran goes through him. Wow. And um, he said one day, um, you know, they demanded a load of tax off him and he said it wasn't right. 
So they, um, he told him he wasn't going to pay it. And he said not long after, the guy just disappeared. And his family didn't know where, they, where, where he was or yeah. anything like that. Anyway, about a month later, he reappeared. Um, and um, this, this, this taxi driver told me yesterday, he said, you know, I spoke to him and, him and his family. He said what happened was they, they, they arrested him and put him in a cell and he couldn't even stand up for about a month. Oh. Um, and took his passport away, whatever. When he got out, they just said to him, um, "Right, here's here's your passport back. Um, you can um, you can sort of forget the um, the tax bill, whatever. Um, but we we, we or we we're going to give you your passport back and we're going to set you free. Um, but we want your total oil contract. So we want the whole business uh, and we're going to take it. Um, and if you if if you don't agree, then you can go back into prison um, yeah. and um, you know just stay there for years." Um, so I, d- I don't know what the outcome of that was, but you know, it, every country's different. Yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know, just just because it's a developing country, that doesn't necessarily happen. But I do remember in Indonesia um, when we were there, the old president had a, you know his wife. They they nicknamed her Mrs. Teen Percent, right. um, and you know the deal was basically, um, yeah. you know, he, my father worked for um, a big oil company. It was BP, um, and the deal was. You set up in Indonesia, you have to have a local joint venture company. Um, and Mrs. Team Percent had her share in that company. Wow. Um and, and yeah. of course if they're on board, you know, things happen and, and it and it and it's probably fine. But um if if they're not and you don't agree to it, either you're not setting up or the whole thing will just get disbanded and taken from you or whatever. So yeah. um yeah, you, you need to understand the rules in these markets. It happens. You know? And yeah. I'm like you, I talk to a lot of people. And my uncle um, on my, my wife's side, he's from India. He's got a really good, he, he was a vet, he's got a big business there. And he's moving to, well, he moved to the US to spend time and look after the kids. And I said to him, India's booming at the moment. Why would you move? And he said, let me tell you about India. Because one thing is a corruption. Mm. So we'll be in the in the vet and doing the business and the police guys are walking and they'll demand their cut. Yeah. And and that's without even saying anything, oh, I want this percent, I want that yeah. percent. And he goes, that's why I can't stay there. So he's going to the US. So we've got to be grateful that we're in we a country really. where, you know, yeah. it's sustainably, yeah. the outcome is predictable. It is. I mean, I, I, I've got a mate in Bali who, you know, he runs a good business there. And as time's gone on, Clearly, the local police and the tax authorities have realised, yeah. you know, how good his business is. And, the, you know, the first thing he did right was he employed as his accountant the brother of the local tax inspector. So, of course, negotiations go on through the accountant. And, of course, in the first year, they want X amount and yeah. the police chief wants this amount, whatever, and you go along with it. But he just said to me, as time went on, these costs became so... Um, ridiculous, outlandish, and just unsustainable. He had to shut the business down. Yeah, um, <laughs> is, M- many a times. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, you, yeah. You, it, it, you, you want to be grateful for what we've got in many ways. Exactly. Yeah. And look, talking about um, you know mm-hmm. all the Section Twenty Four and all the notices and stuff. I did a talk yesterday, and I talked about business and property. So, you know, I'm a business guy. I run business. I'm a property investor, and you know. A lot of the landlords who've got one, two, three properties, I think a lot of these rules do affect them. But I try and tell them to treat your property as a business, yeah. you know, systemise it and then build it. And I think, how do you feel about that? Because there's a lot of landlords, even up to 10, 12 properties, that probably haven't got the systems. And then when something happens, a legislation change, like, oh, God, why does this keep happening? But in business, things always happen, right? Yeah, I think the, the, the one guarantee in business is that it will change. Um 
And I think if you're organized and you've got a, let's say some proper property management software and you're doing monthly management accounts, that's feeding into, I don't know, a good accounts package and you, you're, you're well systemized with your, your viewings and your um, inspections and your, you know, gas safety, all, all that stuff. Um, you know, and, and, and then you, you're looking at monthly management accounts, um, then you're going to be running a much better business that's able to react to change. Um, and you're going to be able to grow the bits that are working and stop the bits that aren't working. Um, so I think that there's absolute, you know, there's huge leverage in systemizing things. You'll save a lot of time. You'll make a lot more money. You'll make much better decisions. Uh, and you'll, you'll free yourself in many yeah. ways to, to concentrate on new businesses or other stuff. So yeah, systemization and and creating a predictable outcome is is very valuable. Great book um, is uh, the E Myth by Michael yeah, Gerber. That's, a, that's that. a very very good one. Uh, and Life Leverage by Rob Moore. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great book. That's yeah. excellent. And you know, I think in property because I've been investing for ten years in buy to lets, HMOs, just parking the money for my recruiting business and. Property's had a good run. We've not had many changes that I can think of, but in recruitment, every six months there was a change. AWR kicked in, working time directive, holiday pay, and the leg legislation kept changing. And that's why I talk about when my recruitment, which was a business system wise, you got to the same attitude into property as well. As soon as you do that, you free yourself up. Yeah. And once you free yourself up, any changes are, you just got to react to it rather than think, it, oh, God, it's happening again, it's happening again. You have. I mean, you're just talking about changes, you know, Prior to about three years ago, yeah, we had a recession. But in terms of legal and tax backdrop, it, it didn't change for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if if I think back to when I've been conscious in this space, let's say I've been doing this for 15 years. Yeah. I, in the whole of those 15 years, have seen nothing like the amount of changes that have happened in the last three years mm. to legislation and standards and lending and, you know, legals, everything. It, it, the government has had a complete um, you know, root and branch review of yeah. of, of 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 what's going on. Um, so yeah, you we we we've all had to change a lot. What do you feel about because obviously of the dividend tax? I know obviously you've run a company for a while, and I have, and the dividends they were so favourable taking dividends out of your business. There's two of you; you can take virtually eighty grand out, and then that's changed recently. You know, I met with Grant Cardone only what, a few months back, and. Do you think the middle class now are getting hammered more and more? Um, and the only way for survival is to really expand, always be expanding to a yeah. level where you're always earning more and more. You've got to grow. Um, if, if you don't grow and you're not changing, then you're, you're declining. Yeah. Uh, because the market, the government, tax, you know, all this stuff will ensure that businesses and, and people that are doing you know, just carrying on doing what they always did, um, die and get smaller. And, you know, it's just, just that, that's always been like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think you, you, you need to be constantly sort of growing your income. Um, yeah, we've had the, the dividend tax and, you know, there's you know, this section 24 and, you know, various other reliefs have been taken away. Um, but this has all happened before. Yeah. Um, and, I would say it's probably not as anything like as bad as what will happen if Jeremy Corbyn gets gets his hands on the levers. Yeah. Um, let's let's just hope that he's uh, made enough mistakes over the last few months. Yeah. <laughs> to stop the uh, the, the populace uh, going for, for for what he wants. But 
you know, I I think middle class and 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 or, or it's probably probably an old way of putting it in it, but middle earners, middle income, you know, and and high earners. Yeah, uh, he's going on the attack for. I think. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. You see, you've, you've really got to be growing things, yeah, and, and use a bloody good accountant as well, yeah. If, if certainly if you're paying a lot of tax, you, you know, the value of getting a great accountant who's basically using every relief and every legal um, sort of mechanism um, to make sure that you're offsetting everything that you can, yeah, uh, to reduce your tax bill. The value of that is huge. Um, and it's it's really important because a lot of us don't use no. even fifty percent of the reliefs that that are available to you us. Don't, you know? I, I and HMRC I, won't tell you about them. No, they won't. I can remember the selling the business at the yeah. time, and my accountant couldn't handle it because the volume of the sale. Because selling a business is, you know, it was a multi-million turnover business. It needs a different type of an accountant. Yeah, and I didn't even know about entrepreneurs tax relief. No. Well, he didn't tell you. No, what? Well, he, he didn't know. He never sold a business. Oh so, my god! And, and what happened yeah. then was I started. Looking, everything's about yeah, entrepreneurs, really. Yeah. Even paying ten percent. Yeah. So we were extracting money at the business, and then I went to another account who charged a lot of money and yeah. said, "Look, Jay, don't take any money at your business. No. In fact, plow it back in." Yeah. So because what when we sell it, it's ten percent. Yeah. And um, we put it back in. Then we talked about pensions. Yeah. Or taking some money into a pension yeah. part. And you're right. A tax accountant. The bigger you grow, the more you grow, the more knowledge you need. Oh, yeah. And an accountant, I don't know about you, Mark, one of my first mentors told me this. He goes, Jay, do your own research and make sure your accountant can handle where you're going mm. because the accountants never give advice. No. Well, you've, you've, you've just got to uh, be talking to a lot of people, even when you've got a really good one. Yeah, definitely. Um, other people in business who are you know, doing well, when you get an idea, maybe do a bit of research online, have a look on the HMRC website, uh, have a look on other accountants because what happens is if you put – Something in like at the moment, I'm I'm into land remediation relief. I've, you know, I've been converting, investing in buildings for 15 years, yeah. um, and and taking asbestos out. And I knew about land remediation relief, but I've never done a claim yeah. to uh, claim back the cost at 150 yeah. percent of taking asbestos out of buildings because no one ever told me. And I even have a guy that does yeah. it and yeah. does capital allowance claims for me, but never told me because they just don't think to. And of course, my tax accountant didn't even think about it. And I. I just grabbed them, you know, a few weeks ago, did a bit of research online, yep. said, can I do this? And they went, yeah, of course you can. And those things just keep happening all the time. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's up to you to fish that stuff out. Yeah. Make sure you're right. Do a bit of research online because that's probably all they'll do. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, and, and other accountants will be writing about it or, or HMRC will have guidance on it on their website. Yeah. So do a good Google search. Uh, and then take it to them and say, can I do it? hundred yeah. percent. And look, accountant's not a consultant unless you get a really good one. Yeah. So they'll only do what you tell them to do. And then you've got to sign the forms at the end anyway. So yeah. whatever you give them, so you challenge it, do your own research. That's good advice I got when I was uh, with my mentor. Do your own research. Take your questions to your accountant yeah. rather than letting them tell you because they just want the simplest, quickest job. A lot of them will just parcel it all up, send it to HMRC and, yeah. and operate as their, their, their sort of um, allotted tax collector. Yeah, yeah, but the, the good ones will um, will dig into it and make sure you're doing everything as you should. Yeah, and going digital now, you've got to be careful because all the software now, all you're doing is sending the click to the software, and they'll just sign it off and send it back to you. Mm. So even more now. Yeah. It's so true. Um, Jeremy Corbyn, let's talk about him if you don't mind, because um, interesting person. Now, I, I am into politics, but I'm not into politics. I don't like. I personally think the system has got no leadership, and at the moment. 
with Jeremy Corbyn. I just think they're attacking businesses left, right and centre. I just feel like we've got such a good business network in the UK and businesses fuel the economy, but Jeremy Corbyn's taken them away. If he did get into power, what do you think would happen? Well, this is the big question. And clearly people were concerned, I think, with the, the previous Labour government before Tony Blair got in. And actually, he just, he proved to be, you know, lots of people didn't like him for loads of different reasons. But in terms of the economy and business, he was pretty light touch. So Jeremy Corbyn could do a complete about turn, yeah. um, you know, not do some of the things that he's promised to. Um, and, you know, he'd be reasonably benign. Um, but I think that is a, a massive risk and pretty unlikely. He says he's introducing rent control, but he won't tell us yeah. what that means. So um, rent control, he says he's going to give cities the option to introduce it. So does that mean um, everyone goes in on a three-year tenancy and mm -hmm. you can't increase the rent within that three years or the 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 rent increases are, you know, predetermined, i.e. 5% a year or whatever? If that was the case, well, you know, would I have an issue if, if people were able to stay for three years? Not really. Yeah. You know, I'm looking for the long term. Um, do I bang rents up in, in the first three years? Not necessarily. So yeah. that's not a major thing. If it's something more like, well, you know, cities are going to say what the rent is for a three-bed house uh, and it's not going to go above that level and they just set it at sort of 80% of the current and don't put it up, then clearly there's going to be a major problem. Mm -hmm. Something else I'll have to give, though, um, yeah. you'll get masses of, um, you know, tenant demand yeah. uh, because there'll be less and less landlords and eventually there's, the system will break. So that can't go on forever. Yeah. Um, so who knows what he's doing with that? Uh, he says he's going to uh, reappropriate uh, um, assets of uh, utility companies, mm -hmm. uh, especially water and, and probably rail. Um, so what he's proposing is that he's effectively going to steal the shares um, of, um, you know, your pensions yeah. and, you know, individuals um, who own shares in big utility companies uh, and reappropriate them in some way, bas basically take them into state ownership. Yeah. I guess he's going to say he's going to compensate people for that. But, you know, what does that look like and yeah. are they really going to be compensated? Um, he says with big companies, uh, he's going to transfer 10% of the shareholding. So you take a company like, I don't know, BP, yeah. um, that's worth billions. Uh, he's going to take 10% of the shareholding and he's going to give it to the staff. Um, so, yeah, you know, yeah. how the hell does that work in practice? You've no. got, you know, huge companies, which they're, they're massively divested. They're on the stock exchange. They're, their shares are owned by all these funds, pension funds, all the rest of it. Um, it sounds like he's, he's effectively going to take the shares off these people uh, and, and, you know, put them into public ownership. Um, yes, I, I think rail is a mess. Um, you know, I, I, I buy a ticket. I don't know whether it's valid or not. I use, I go into London on the train yeah. once every two or three weeks. Uh, and I, I consider myself as, you know, you know I, I can read detail and I can understand things. And I still find train tickets highly confusing. Um, so I can't imagine, you know, what my, you know, you know, what an 80 year old bloke might think yeah. when he gets on the train and he tries to work out what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, so I, I think stuff needs to happen there. Uh, you know, and Corbyn, he's talking about putting tax rates up, um, you know, but potentially I think he's going to go on a, a spending spree like, yeah. like you've never seen before. I mean, you know, they, they, they do have a history of, you know, borrowing. A lot and uh, and you know uh, 
yeah, tax and spend, um, uh, that'll stimulate the economy um, yeah. for a period, but uh, ruining the public finances in the long term has mm-hmm. consequences. Yeah. Um, you know, in the long term, government, the cost of government debt uh, will have to increase because the market will uh, see through it and see it as unsustainable. Um, so government borrowing will become much more expensive. The bonds and the gilts at the issue will become more expensive. So I just don't think it's a sustainable model. You know, Labour tried it previously, you know, Healy and, and the like, um, and it was, um, you know, very, very unsuccessful. I think Corbyn's also um, pretty disingenuous. Obviously, he's got links with, um, you know, terrorist groups, has done in the past. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think you can believe a word he says. Now, of course, you could say that about most politicians, but I, I do think he's sort of particularly bad. Uh, and I think his his partner in crime, John McDonnell, who is, I, I think he's, if he's not now, he was a fully paid up member of the Communist Party. That's not an exaggeration. Yeah. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he still believes in, in those principles at, at his core. Um, you know, I, I don't think that is a good duo. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it's pretty concerning. Um, but are they going to get into power? Well, there's lots of things in the way. Um, and you know, those two guys, they're kicking on a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. and the next election may be earlier than 2022, but, um, if, 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 uh, if she sort of hangs on in there, uh, then they may be too old to take over. What a shame. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And to be honest, one of the biggest things I find about Labour, and I know we're going offside a little bit politics, but it's important in business. It's important. And their message is never consistent. I think they're just playing to the masses, just trying to get in power. Like I said, then they'll stop they're messing all, things They're up. all doing that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, the Conservatives are doing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Brexit or no Brexit. Yeah. Where are we <laughs> I mean, now? What a mess. <laughs> yeah, so it's a proper mess. They're, they're, you know, there's very few of them, I think, um, in Parliament who, you know, have covered themselves in glory through this process. I, yeah. I think they... Most of them should hang their heads in shame, especially people like Boris, um, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and Farage and, 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 you know, as much as I like listening to Jacob Rees-Mogg's speeches and, and, and I think he's got some really good ideas, I, I just think this nonsense he's come out with yeah. o- over Brexit and just, just sold, they've all been telling so many lies. Yeah. I, I it's, it's almost like the statements they make and the promises they make should go through some sort of bloody yeah, body that yeah. fact checks them uh, because they've, um, on both sides, they've been yeah, telling yeah, a no, pack yeah, of yeah. lies. Yeah. Yeah. With Theresa yeah. May, you just think, stop lying. She's like the, <laughs> you know, the you, school teacher trying them. to keep this rabble yeah. of disorderly yeah. children um, in, in, you know, in going in a, the straight line. And God, you know, in terms of, being battle hardened and 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 just just ploughing on, she's yeah. got you know so many points from me for that. But um, God, you know, all this business about going back to the EU and you know, getting them to renegotiate and all that, I don't really get what her game is because it isn't happening. Just buying it wasn't time. Ha- it seems yeah. like she is buying time. Uh, I don't. I think this is probably what she's been doing for for quite a long time. Yeah, you know, and she's told any number of porkies as well. Yeah. Um, and I suppose if she hadn't, then she, she'd she probably have been out of power now because that just seems to be what they have to do to to, to, to remain in. It's a, it's a pretty sorry state of affairs, but... Um, it is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, and you don't know the, the millions it's costing the economy now. Well, it's just, just costing masses. Yeah. All the no indecision that, for business. Yeah. yeah. You know, all the... 
the, the decisions that, that I know locally businesses haven't taken because they can't because they don't know what's you know yeah. going to happen. You know, just small anecdotal thing. Um, you know, I saw a letter from Porsche written, you know, a few weeks ago to customers who've bought a new 911. Right. And it just said, um, you know, we need to let you know in a no deal scenario, um, WTO rules say, um, quite this detailed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if we don't have a, a deal... Um, the we, we're just letting you know the duty on a new car uh, from Europe is ten percent. Right. Um, therefore, um, sort of after the end of March, if there is no deal, um, the nine eleven the, the Porsche that you've just ordered is now ten percent more expensive. Please make allowances for this, and you know all that sort of stuff. Now, you know we've we, we've heard from a lot of these politicians that that won't happen. Yeah. Uh, but that you know those are the real consequences. Now, someone ordering a Porsche, you know. Fine, they cancel it or they pay the extra ten percent. You know, maybe that y y you could say they can afford it. But the point is, if you've got huge companies like Airbus, mm. you know, like the car manufacturers, um, like all the you know the other industries yeah. which we have that are moving goods, importing goods into this country to produce things, operating under that level of uncertainty where your raw materials might suddenly increase by 10%, the cost yeah. of them, yeah. when your margin, margin on the finished product might be 5%, yeah. is a completely unacceptable state of affairs. You know, yeah. we're, we're just going into, or we're, we're into a, a, a good scale project with steel that's going to, you know, a very, very big steel order that's going out. We were going to use overseas suppliers of steel. We can't do that. And they won't even quote at the moment any of them yeah. who we've been going to until the end of March because it's so uncertain what their, their costs are going to be. So, of course, there's us there delaying that. Yeah, There's a load of other developers and you know people who need steel for companies that need steel for various different things and all the other raw materials that come from all different parts of the world. Um, and it is dragging on GDP. Yeah. You know, we... There's, there's, course, there's less yeah. money going through through the government. They're, clearly, employment is is good, and you know wage growth is still good. But I bet you GDP would have been one percent higher over the last year, which would have been hundreds, well, billions more through the economy, a lot more tax generated, and we'd be a lot further ahead. Um, so it does all feel like it uh, does. It does uh, folly. Yeah, at the and just yeah. touched on that how it affects business. My friend of mine is quite high motor point. Now they buy thousands of cars. I had a conversation with him only last week and he said the sales are stagnating at the moment. What a surprise. Yeah, and this, and what he said to me, he goes, and he manages a big team. Well, these guys buy 30, 40 million pounds worth of cars cause they're, and, and, they're, and their margins are very small because it's mm. a supermarket in a sense. Yeah. And he goes, the uncertainties point everyone at risk at the moment mm. because if we don't hit our targets, the problem is people just start losing their jobs. Yeah. These conversations are not getting out there about business, about real things that are happening because we're kind of, Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn talking about rubbish, mm. but here's the real conversations. Yeah, and people listen to this podcast. You know, these, these things are happening in business. Yeah, um, and it's important to to be aware of that. You can see that the property market's gone soft. Yeah, um, you know the, the obviously London's dropped twenty twenty five percent, or the you know, the central areas have in terms of the property values over the last three years. Yeah, okay, they they went to probably went too far, and you know there are some other um, factors like stamp duty's gone up a lot. But, you know, that's spreading. You know, that's in the regions now. Um, not to those extent, not to that extent. Yeah. You know, maybe prices have come up 5%, something like that. But there are less transactions going through. Um, and, you know, conversely, clearly, it's, it's, it's a good time to buy because yeah. 
you get things for the right money and vendors are a lot more <laughs> flexible. Right. Um, yeah. But this is not good for, for anybody. Um, and I think it needs to end. Cool. Either so way. This is what I like about this podcast. You know, people like Mark and business people, we could talk all day about business, take it whichever way angle. It's all about the conversation. But what I want to do is because ask you a few questions, um, which will cover probably most of, of what uh, the content I wanted to cover. And these are from listeners. Um, so first thing is, which property or business strategies will work well in 2019 and which ones might struggle and why? Right. That's a very, very generic question. Um, I, you know, I think in business and in property, you are best off doing a, what you love and yeah. B, what you love is probably going to be what you're good at. So you need to find your little niche. It's, this is more, less about the market and more about you, what, what you really, really enjoy doing, what you're good at. So, you know, if you're, you're good at selling, you're good at marketing, you probably want a, a business that, that, that relies on that skill set more and then bring other people in to do something else. Um, you know, in property, if you're great at interiors, but not not great at finance i don't know you know maybe you're you're not developing so much or you have somebody in your team who is 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 good at that um you know i i think it's more about what your skills loves wants you know and and, and what you're going to be able to be you know better at than your competition more than yeah what's good this year in property and what isn't good um i know that's how the media like to um you know, they like to talk about cycles and this is yeah. the, the latest niche or the latest thing to jump on. I I don't really see it in that way. When when I'm investing, I'm doing it for the next 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, and these, um, yeah, at the, at the moment, things are softer. So it's great to get in there and, and you know, start buying stuff off, off vendors who are more flexible. You know, good luck two or three years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, people, a lot more people are doing, I don't know, Airbnb or serviced accommodation. That's, a, you know, clearly... A growth area, yeah. Um, you know, HMO still work, single let still work. Yeah, yeah, HMO yeah. definitely work. So going on that, so just on that question, you're doing some big projects at the moment. I've got a question on the project to one of the projects, but what drives you, Mark? Because you know, I, I, I invest in property. You know, I'm not fully. I'm a more business. I like business. I, I like doing that and helping businesses build. Um, but you know, once you done refurb, you've done that. You're excited, and then you like move on. But what drives you? Because is there some kind of bigger project you want to get hold of or because does every project have a different challenge or what, what what keeps you going all the time in property? I, I suppose I like driving income and, and, and driving, you know, a rent roll. Um, so, you know, getting a bigger and bigger wall of money to hit yeah. the bank account every month. Um, that, that excites me. So I love pushing, you know, getting greater density out of, projects um i obviously increasing the margin and the capital value but increasing the income for every sort of pound i've spent on the building just excites me uh, and then you know stripping the money back out of it and then then buying more stuff it's the growth yeah um i find that very exciting um yeah in in, in business clearly you know we're, we're talking now you're doing an interview with me in our training business yeah um and I get i get a lot of you know pleasure and enjoyment out of learning within that business and helping other people within that business because that drives me on you yeah. know with my property business as well yeah um so i yeah i just love the interactions of business the growth uh clearly you know the money it, it enables me to buy the house i want and yeah. you know i'm we're about to have a baby and i'm going to 
have some maternity leave or paternity leave. I'm not sure. I what think it's, it, no, you can uh, actually have half and half. Apparently, yeah, you know. Um, I'm going to help Gemma for a bit. Yeah. Um, so it gives you you choices, and you know, I get to travel the world, go where I want, do what I want. Yeah. Um, you know, if I want to take um some time off, uh, probably in in a couple of years when you know I, I've probably worked through a lot of the projects that I'm doing now, I think I could. Um, so. Yeah, no, I like that. And going back to your passion thing, now people ask me, people link me to property all the time because obviously I work within within the circle of property people. But business is what I do. But investment wise, property has always been the chosen vehicle because nine times out of ten, even if you do a bad deal, and I've done a few bad deals from auctions, um, you don't intend <laughs> to lose that much. <laughs> I can remember when I went mad when I sold my business and <laughs> I bought a property from auction. And no one bought it, and I thought I got a good deal, but it had subsidence. They, they can be so you know, annoying. I, I, bought, profit. I bought one at auction um, last year, yeah. and uh, you know it's good, and I wanted it, and I was there today putting the tenant in. Yeah, but it's just the bloody process. You yeah. know, they, you know, we we got it cash, and you know that that was all fine. But you know, I, I didn't need to pay VAT on yeah. the building. Yeah, the uh, they, they should have just accepted a one six one four D and yeah. taken the VAT off because I was doing a residential conversion. Yeah, but because we're already in the auction process, and obviously you've agreed all the legals yeah. on the day, even yeah. though I offered them ten grand more, they're like, no, not interested. So then you end up paying a load more stamp duty. Then you end up giving HMRC another, <laughs> I don't know what it was, one hundred and forty grand, yeah. which they looked after for three months and sent somebody out to try and yeah, stop yeah. me getting it back. <laughs> which yeah. in the end we got it back. Yeah, you know, and and um. And of course, we didn't couldn't do all we wanted to on the capital allowances because, you know, we'd agreed to X, Y, and Z in the auction contract. And I, I just hate being straight jacketed like yeah, that. It's yeah. not a normal negotiation process. Normally, as you go along, you can get the vendors to do certain things, yeah, uh, because they want the sale to go through. That's right. Um, so, and, and and the other thing was, and this is good for vendors. Um, it got every man and his dog on it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I guess excitement. Yeah, the the guide price was really low and. I, you know, I, I was happy with what we paid for it, but I, I may have got it cheaper if, you know, it had been a, a sort of normal sale. So, yeah, I do buy stuff at auctions and some stuff at auctions is good depending on what it is, where yeah. it is. But, um, yeah, I just don't like all the control that they have. Yeah. yeah. And one yeah. thing I love about auctions when you're selling a property, we sold a property auction yeah. and we watched it. <clears throat> this is the property I bought from auction that yeah. had a problem. We had it five years, still rented at cash yeah. road. I thought, let's sell it. And the problem is when you sell it, you, you've you got to disclose all your documents yeah. and searches and it brought up, there's that water underneath. And I go to my wife, let's put in the auction because Same the tenant thing. keeps saying yeah. the house is going to fall down. Yeah. And I'm getting, every six months I get yeah. a structural engineer because I'm paranoid. And he says it's not. He's not. So yeah. I put it through the auction. I thought, yeah. I can't sleep this night because yeah. the house falls down. Yeah. Anyway, so put it in, I go yeah, to my wife. if you've got a structural engineer's report and he says it's all right, you've done what you need. Yeah, to. just yeah. a tenant keep, you, you get paranoid because yeah, the doors you, are moving. And yeah, he has, you got if you got a, a report from a, a professional, then but yeah. uh, check this out, Mark. So yeah. the reason why I did it actually, yeah. the next door neighbour, yeah. I saw him for the first time, yeah. and I thought he's refurbing it, and he yeah. said to me, "Come over here," and he took me to his house inside, and his front room had sunk into the ground. That's what got me thinking. Mm. I just gonna put it back how I bought it, put it at the auction, and look, that's it, where they end up. And it wasn't. It, 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 I've had. I have so many clients come to me and go, "Oh, this is cheap. This is new auction." Yeah. The first thing I will say is, just remember, if someone's got an issue with the property and there's yeah. something pretty fundamental, yeah. it goes in the auction. Yeah, so yeah. you need to go through it. 
doubly carefully. 100%. And some of them are great. Yeah. Because sometimes it's just the council selling or something like, you know, an yeah. institution and they want, yeah. you know, it to be shown that they've got full market value. Yeah, yeah. And they can be good vendors. But when it's an individual like you and me, yeah, yeah. you know, look, Doubly carefully at it. <laughs> I look at my lesson. Yeah. Well, when we put it back in the auction, obviously yeah. you close everything. Yeah. So it's up to the, the buyer anyway. Yeah. And uh, the house is probably fine. Yeah. But I'll go to my wife. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. We'll watch it online. Yeah. And we're watching it. And it like went to, it was it went expensive. Yeah. And it got to 80. Yeah. No one's put the hand up. But I yeah. thought, I put all my cars on the table yeah. now. And then all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. bang yeah, and yeah. it sold for 120. Yeah. And for me, I would have taken 80 for it because yeah, I wanted yeah, the headache yeah, yeah, gone because yeah. it's more. I'm worried about the house falling in, down. In good markets, yeah, stuff good for market. auctions sells for more. It's crazy. Than, yeah, because I don't know why people get excited. And a lot of people go to auctions and this, I mean, this is just the cardinal sin. They... They they open the auction guide and they start flicking through, yeah. and then they see the picture that the one they like, and then they start bidding on it <laughs> yeah. without having done any research, looked into the legals, yeah. had a surveyor look at the building, anything before yeah, yeah. the auction. They bid on stuff blind, yeah, and that crazy. happens quite a lot. It's um, crazy. So yeah, it's a but it's competitive. Bananas. I don't know if you've been there, but I've been to an yeah, auction where I've said I'm going to pay this much. Oh yeah, go to five, six, and seven. He, he gets you worked up. You hope yeah. he keeps going. Yeah, you think yeah. or she keeps going. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's another story we could yeah. talk of. So a couple of more questions, and we'll wrap this up because we've had so much conversation. So Richard um, has asked, and this is a bit, um, you know, I won't say basic because every investor starts somewhere. If you were thinking of going to property first time. So we're going high and low here. Where would you start? What was the best strategy? I'd start with single lets like I, like I did. Yeah. Or, or Well, actually, I started abroad and tried to sort of run before I could walk. Um, but I think if you go and buy some little terraced houses, yeah. you know, in a sort of, you know, try and keep them below 140 grand, something like that. Um, you know, maybe they're, they're ex-council. Try Maybe, you know, Victorian ones, if they've been modernised at some point, fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're probably better with stuff 70s onwards. Maybe it's ex-council, maybe it's ugly. Do a lot of research. You know, if it's, it can be a Midlands town or in the north, um, you know. Derby, just maybe. Start, yeah, Derby's <laughs> brilliant. Um, you yeah. know, Leicester, yeah, yeah. Nottingham, you know, Peterborough, Northampton, everywhere north of that as well. West Midlands, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and there are places in the south that will work, but you just need to make sure the yield is probably five and a half, six percent at least. Now, yeah. um, then um, that's what I do, and I sort of try and get a bit of refurb work and just cut your teeth and look, make all the mistakes, and yeah. you know, do that a few times, and then move into a HMO. And, and then move up onto bigger stuff. Yeah. And you don't necessarily need to move up. Like my strategy and always been single lets, um, put quite a bit of capital because we've got the money from the agency yeah. and the capital growth has been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, the HMOs have done really well as well. So just do what you enjoy. You know, yeah. you don't have to move up to, you know, if you want to move up and you're not doing anything else, buy, do it. But single lets will teach you everything. Yeah. The first time a tenant moves out, you're like, where are they gone? Yeah. You know, you learn that <laughs> yeah. lesson. And then don't you? you learn how to reference them correctly. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, yeah. then you learn that you paid the builder too early and he cleared off and didn't finish the last few bits and you yeah. gave him too much money up front and yeah. you don't do that again. Yeah. And then you learn that, I don't know, you bought a flat and the freeholders are complete arse. Yeah. And that's why you're probably just on the earlier ones, you should have bought a house. And yeah. All these million little things you'll yeah. you'll learn on your first few uh, and that's where you want to do it it's a bit like 
you know, hopefully I'm having a son in four weeks. Yeah, and um, yeah. I've said to my wife, you know, the first thing that's going to happen when he's 17, he's going to get a car. Yeah. Uh, and it's not going to be too old because yeah. I want it to be safe. But yeah, it'll yeah. be like 0. 0.7 litre, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. absolutely. Your micros. Yeah, 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 a yeah. micro would be great. Yeah, just yeah, 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 yeah. And, and um, you know, it, it'll be very high mileage uh, and, you know, I'll get someone to derate it. Uh, and he'll have to drive that for, you know, a good period of time. And he can, I've no doubt he's going to drive into all sorts of things because yeah. that's what 17-year-old drivers yeah. do. But it's better to do it on that than a, I don't know, a Lamborghini. Time yeah. to change. Yeah. I, I, I took my daughter, we got a car service and um, she knows I'd ask them what and everything. And so I said to my daughter, Tara, I said, you know, when you get old enough, you're going to get that uh, that Toyota Igo. She's no dad. I'm starting with the Mercedes. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, all that. Oh, no, no. Right. just don't, you don't, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. do it, Joe. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No. I've just said, put your worry. foot down, mate. Yeah, hundred percent. They've got to bloody learn. I think. Yeah, yeah. And I would never because yeah. I know she's they're going to bang it. Of so it's best to it. learn it. My <laughs> first car was, um, I think it was, I oh, was a Fiat Uno. Yeah. And Perfect. But here's yeah. the thing, it looked like a turbo. Yeah. And oh, I can yeah. remember the first thing I did was I didn't put oil in it and the engine blew on it. Yeah, well, that was lesson one. And yeah. then I also, yeah. I got someone from Chesterfield yeah. to pick up the car to put an engine in it. Yeah, yeah, it never yeah. ran the same. No, but uh, well, you, learn you learn a lot. Put oil yeah. in the car. Yeah. Uh, well, my, uh, my mate had a Golf uh, turbo and we, we came out of my university yeah. and the, end, the oil light was on, yeah. you know, obviously far too low. Oh, pull in here, I'll top it up. Yeah. Goes inside, buys yeah. five litres of oil. And I, I, I was sort of, you know, I couldn't see him behind yeah. the bonnet. I was sitting in the car. Yeah. And then and then he came around with this five litre <laughs> bottle. And, and I looked at him, he says, hey, it's still not full. Like oh, that. I know. And I, yeah. I was like, what do you mean, mate? You've put all that in. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't. Anyway, went round and he'd, he'd obviously managed to put some more in at that stage. He'd filled it up to the lip, you know, to, right <laughs> to the top of the, the, the engine, engine casing. Oh, no. put, put the put the cap on. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, we'll burn it off on the motorway. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's your saying of putting the engine. Yeah, that's what happened. And the, 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 the oil filler cap blew straight off. All the oil went round the engine and yeah. the engine caught fire. And somebody called the fire brigade on the motorway. Yeah. And, and, you know, it needed a new engine. And that yeah. ended up costing him something oh. like £5,000. And he told no us way. that a pack of lies. Yeah. Said the thing was a load of crap, VW or a load of shit. Yeah. Took it in. Yeah. And VW said, no, there's, you know, nine litres of oil in this. <laughs> you know, whatever. Because <laughs> you little toffle, yeah, don't yeah. you? You check so, the dippy stick and all that. Yeah, back he in the didn't day. check the dipstick. I'm not interested. <laughs> so his yeah. dad made him pay for the engine. Yeah, and yeah, I just yeah. think that was the best thing his dad ever did. Yeah. You know, his dad's worth tens and tens of yeah. millions, but made him pay for the engine and uh, and he took him ages to pay it off and, you know, yeah, yeah. what a good lesson. Fantastic. So, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. We really are now. Um, it's about mentoring and business mentoring in a sense. So there's an opportunity before we go on where people can find you is what mentors have helped you join your business career? And is a chance you can just shout them out or? Yeah, I mean, there's been stacks of mentors over the years that I've had. You know, obviously that there was that letting agent. There was another guy who'd, you know, he'd be very good at buying properties around here. He was yeah. a sort of bit of a boxer. Um, and, you know, he'd buy stuff, refurb, you know, on, on the ground and, and then sell them. Um, you know, I, 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 there's, there's, there's um, you know, I have a, another friend who has got a really, really good sort of business that he sold for 70 million round here. Um, you know, and he, he, he'd have bought over a hundred million pounds worth of property over the years. Um, you know, I have, have a lot of these sort of friendships. Um, you know, I've got another friend who's, who's a solicitor, who's, done all sorts of stuff in property and in business and in the law. 
you know, and a lot of these guys, they're sort of in their 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 fifties or their sixties yeah. or their seventies, and they've they've just been there and done it all. Um, you know, I've got a, a another mate, um, sort of, you know, out out yeah out in the far east. You know, he's buying a lot of land, he's developing big villas. Uh, and making you know really really serious money from it, yeah. Uh, making sort of tens of millions from these villas, um, they're all they're all sort of all over the place. These guys, um, and um, you know, I they're probably more sort of informal type mentors, um, but um, yeah, I, I I've learned a lot from 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 loads of them, yeah, um, yeah. And that's what the difference between mentors I read as that very because growing up. I had coaches. I never knew what a mentor was. And a mentor can just roll of information just like that. Like we can have a conversation. When I mentor people the other day, someone said, Jay, it's so natural, you know, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm just talking what I've been through. Yeah. And that's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. You know, because it's a memory bank within your, within your mind. But great stuff. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, I appreciate you coming. So, Mark, people want to find you. You've got two books, or maybe three. Yeah, uh, low cost, high life, uncommon book. sense. Um, are mine, and then I've co-authored quite a few books with with Rob. Yeah, uh, so property investing secrets, uh, make uh, cash in a in a property crash. Yeah, um, and I think there's another one which commercial conversions. The, commercial conversions is the latest one. I yeah. should have <laughs> said that. Um, and then there's another one. I can't even remember the name of it. Um, there's a new one coming out. Are you? Yeah, there is a new. There will be a new one coming out. Shortly, yeah. uh, but we did a, another one with Robin Shaw a few years ago, and then Rob's got a whole stack of books, yeah. with money and life leverage, and um, yeah, his uh, yeah, there's loads more. I, yeah, yeah, Rob's yeah. Rob's got it. So yeah. with regards, to, this is going to be on your podcast as well. So it's a joint um, podcast in a sense. I'm interviewing Mark, and your podcast is my podcast is called Mark My Words. Yeah, so yeah. check that, subscribe on it, review it. Yeah. Mark's got so much knowledge, so check him out. Just have a look on our, our website, progressiveproperty.co.uk. Yeah. yeah. And where can people find you? Are you social media, Instagram? Yeah, I'm on I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, just yeah. there as lonely old Mark Homer. Yeah, yeah it's good stuff. Well, look, thank you for having me. A real honour. And uh, yeah, so if you've got any questions, you can email me at jay at the Business Mentor Podcast. Hope you had a good session. Until the next time, take care.